welcome to the Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the Blue and White Brothers. Two brothers, two takes, one team. Dude, undefeated again. <laughs> How do we do it? <laughs> Helps when you that don't That and more play. coming up next week. <laughs> um, you know, I've got one question for you coming off of the bye week. What did you do this past weekend? And did you have a good one? Uh, hermited. I hermited and watched everything on all the screens yet again. <laughs> uh, it was fun. I had a good weekend. Watching other teams lose and win without the threat of Penn State losing or winning, you know, that's that's the bonus of, of a bye week is that you don't have to be concerned with losing at all. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, it was nice for me until um, – about midday on Saturday when the Orioles, who were playing their first of their uh, division series game against mm. the Rangers, they lost miserably. They lost twice, didn't they? Uh, they <laughs> lost twice this weekend. Oh, wait. And also, also, also the Ravens. to the lowly division leading now Steelers. Pittsburgh <laughs> Steelers have just, you know, Matt Canada really stuck it. To your defense oh my and, gosh. and John I, Harbaugh. I'm sure there's a lot of our listeners who are indeed Steelers fans. Um, I am a Ravens fan, always have been since we moved to Baltimore. And um, I you, was expecting... Were you ever a Steelers fan to begin with? Not really. Right. Not really. I mean, You didn't care about the NFL up, when we were kids. No. No, I didn't yeah. at all. I mean, maybe you look, watch a, watch a New York game. Maybe you watch a Philly game, you know, a Eagles game. Maybe you watch a Steelers game. My dad likes the Steelers, so I had a little bit well, of a... Our family like roots for the Steelers. Yeah, you know, secondarily, secondarily to Penn State, which I mean, is prime distant for us. second. Uh, obviously, obviously, but and that's because, for what it's worth, our uncle Jim McCord, one of his best buds in college, that uh, you know, our uncle played tight end for Penn State uh, in the sixties and seventies, and one of his good buddies was uh, Franco Harris, rest in peace. And by and we tailgate sometimes with the Franco. Uh, family, and because of that connection, we certainly leaned to, to the Steelers as opposed to the Eagles, and that's personally why I feel my Steelers fandom is, you know, cemented as you know being that. It's because of that family connection that Uncle Jim had. Sure, um, you know, for me, it was very much an open conversation about who my like NFL team would be. And when we moved to Baltimore, the first year we were in town, Ravens won the Super Bowl. That really cemented oh, it for me. Oh, Oh, and beat mm-hmm. by the way, Kerry Collins. Yes, yeah. In the Super Bowl, a yep. horrible offensive, but it was more. It was more like it was an incredible Ravens defense, defense was Ravens. incredible. That Trent Dilfer being the quarterback that year, he didn't do much of anything. <laughs> no, I think it was all Ray Lewis, the running back, and your entire defensive team as on a whole. Uh, totally. just well, being anyway, dominant. Anyway, yeah. the Ravens lost in pathetic fashion this oh, weekend. Incredibly, and by the way, for the record, I was watching intently, and I was like, I was the most forlorn fan <laughs> until was, the last five minutes. Last <laughs> less than five minutes because. <laughs> Our offense had done nothing. We got a safety that was almost a touchdown, but our offense had done nothing, just nothing. And then in classic Lamar 
Jackson fashion, he gave the game away multiple I mean, times. Yeah. Multiple times. Anyway, uh, that's a, that's another podcast, not this one. Um, and then <laughs> um, the other thing great. is that we're like, I um, watch Notre Dame with Eileen. I root for them when they're not playing yeah. a team that I, I, you know, would otherwise root for. And, and what did they do, Andy? They lost miserably as well. So like on the, on the games where I had an interest, you know, which was Notre Dame, two Orioles games and the Ravens game. I was over four this weekend. Yeah. And um, yeah. that was my weekend. I'm, let me tell you what, I'm looking forward to getting back to Penn state football. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Playing the juggernaut UMass Minutemen. <laughs> it's coming, coming up, up man. The, yeah. It's going to be an incredible teams on your schedule. Incredible matchup. Um, so here's what we've got going on for this week. Um, this podcast, we're going to be doing a bi-week breakdown. And before we get into that, um, we're going to talk about news and notes, uh, things that have happened this past week. And then for our second episode of the week, we're going to be looking ahead to that UMass game um, along with some other things. But um, let's go ahead and uh, turn our attention to news and notes. News and notes. Well, like Tom suggested, if you were watching college football this weekend and if you didn't have a team you were specifically rooting for, there was a lot of really fun games going on. Um, and uh, so we're going to get to that uh, scoreboard uh, and our 10-second takes. Uh, here are a couple of headlines in the top 25, Tom. I'd love oh, your take on them. I love my 10-second takes. They <laughs> mean so much to me. <laughs> second takes. They mean so much. <laughs> Uh, here we go. Here's your first one. In a game where some were on upset alert, number one, Georgia obliterated number 20, Kentucky, 51 to 13, proving they're still top dog in the SEC. Um, you know, the SEC is like, it's Georgia and nobody else. <laughs> it's <basically laughs> Seems what it's that starting way. to feel like. I, you know, Kentucky, I thought maybe they'd threaten. Georgia just took it all away it, out of the gate. I don't know. Like, I don't It's just... Georgia's still Georgia. Uh, they are suspect, I think, to the right team, but Kentucky was not the right team. All right, moving on, uh, going up the polls. Number 12, Oklahoma. Edges number three, Texas, in the Red River rivalry, taking the lead in the Big 12 title race and giving themselves a clear path to a potential playoff bid, winning 34-30 to 30 in the game in the week's best game. Um, so this game is interesting, first of all, Epic game. Definitely the best game of the weekend from a like matchup standpoint. And a um, you know, it was on true neutral turf at the Cotton Bowl, the Texas State Fair. Lee Corsa, by the way, says he doesn't like having that game there because he says there's no campus. He likes being on campus. I also agree that having campus games is what makes college football great, but this game goes back. So we get that from that standpoint uh, as far as the Red River rivalry. Um, but really, I Texas. I don't know. They they, they is, is Oklahoma legit? That's what it feels like. And you know, Oak, the, no matter which team won, Penn State wasn't going to move in the polls. So it really, is a wash from that standpoint. So really, I just it's nice to see Texas not being back. That's where I, that's what I take out of this. <laughs> Texas, you ain't back. Sark, you ain't back. Sark, your haircut's weird. All right, I'm just gonna say it. Okay. <laughs> Next, <laughs> walking our way through the poll, uh, number nine USC avoids the upset against unranked Arizona, winning forty three to forty one in triple overtime late at night. Tom, I did not see this game, but I hear that you did. I stayed up and watched the entire game. I mean, and I was actually physically texting with a diehard Wildcats fan. He's actually at. By and large, all the home games, he's like a he's like a fan mascot 
He's like a self-proclaimed, like, you know, a guy you all, like, you know, Penn State has the big uglies. Yeah. This guy is the big uglies for Arizona. Oh, But wow. he's the he's the Arizona Viking. His name is Marvin Kassler. He's actually um, a long-distance backpacker, and that's how we are friends. And he's uh, like 50 years old, I think. He just turned recently. He's also a school teacher in Salt Lake City. But when he gets down to these games in Tucson, which, by the way, he's where he's from, his, his uh, folks uh, live there, um, he uh, he puts on this big Arizona themed uh, Viking helmet and he spray paints his his facial hair like blue and red and uh, he wears like a he's a, he's amazing he's a, he's an amazing dude and he's a super fan so I'm texting with him during this game this is obviously not a 10 second ta- take it's a two minute tangent um, <laughs> seems that way yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so he, Marv he he dresses up looking like this and he's at all the games and he wasn't at the USC Coliseum because a he hates LA and b it's the Coliseum. Them. Like it's a, it, it's not like a great place to go see a game. Really, they don't have the same kind of fandom. Uh, but you know, we were texting back and forth during this game. They were up seventeen to nothing at one point, and uh, Arizona Wildcats are like something like fifty-two and one all time when tr- when leading seventeen uh, to to nothing or, or by more than seventeen points. And USC was like two and fifty all time when down by seventeen points. Wow. I'm sure one of those victories is against Penn State in the Rose Bowl. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> way to bring that up, bro. Yeah, Joel's over there fainting right now. Um, so um, basically, I, you know, as soon as it was like obvious that it was going to go to overtime, which happened on a field goal miss, I believe, to, to for USC to win the game. Wow. Uh, it was blocked, um, if I remember correctly, uh, and went to overtime, and USC scores first, kicks the extra point, and I'm like, dude, if you guys score right now, you got to go for two. You cannot go the distance in multiple overtimes with a guy like Caleb Williams. It's just not going to work out for a, you know, a subpar Arizona team. You know, I think they were three and two or two and three going into the game, but they're all, they were playing with their backup freshman quarterback, Arizona was who was electric by the way because of USC's terrible defense but they didn't go for two and then it came down to exchanging two point conversions and Arizona just drew, out, drew, drew up the wrong call against the right defensive call and that's that but again USC national title contender so to speak just they don't look the part from a defensive standpoint and they and Caleb Williams the Heisman Trophy you know leader leader uh, at least from a you know uh, odds perspective, he had a bad day passing. He had a, at least an interception. He had a, a had a fumble. Did not look good against a subpar Arizona Wildcats team. And on a on a prime time day in the Coliseum, they just did not look the part. And I like that because I hate USC <laughs> a lot. Uh, um, well, right, did you um, like that? Did I do good? Andy? Oh, yeah. Was it more than you were prepared for? <laughs> way, way more. Ten second takes. Going back to two that. minute tangents. <laughs> um, moving through the last week's AP poll, number ten Notre Dame's luck runs out as number twenty five Louisville topples the top ten. Irish 33 to 20 in a show of force for the Cardinals that catches the domers in the midst of a tough midseason slate of games, knocking them out of playoff contention. Why don't you give your Notre Dame take, Andy? Because you're you, I like to do this for you because you are more invested in Notre Dame from a winning perspective, and I'm like, let them burn, you know, like I don't care. I Thank you for your generosity and let me yeah, comment on this. Yeah, you can game. have this one. Uh, Notre Dame just looked miserable. You know, it was it was close at halftime. I think it may have been a tie game at halftime, and then the second half, Louisville just steamrolled them in the trenches. Notre Dame looked 
inept, and which is odd because against Ohio State and against Duke, they looked really, really strong, like every bit as strong a team as the, their opposing teams. I think the schedule just caught up with them. They could not match up man for man in the trenches. And uh, I think uh, Sam Hartman got sacked like five times or something like that in the game. And it was, it was bad. It was really bad. Louisville clearly won. They were the better team that day. And uh, it was... Uh, you know, there was no joy in Mudville uh, for Eileen and her family this weekend. That was a playoff game for Louisville. That's what that crowd felt like. That's what that team felt like. That's what Jeff Brom, by the way, the homecoming boy, the prodigal son returns, brings his uh, Jake Plum. Is it Jake Plummer, I think is his name? Jack. Um, Jack, thank you. Sorry. Um, Jack Plummer over from Purdue. This was a statement win for Louisville and, and Brom. And and I think they're... Yeah, I would say I mean, it was less less a playoff game, more of a coming out party. But it, yeah, well, I'm they're going to be saying, in the conversation now. It, it felt like a quote-unquote playoff game in terms of like the the atmosphere the, uh, the well the urgency for Louisville to win that, that, that's what I meant more so yeah. like the atmosphere and the urgency to win for sure all right uh, moving on number eleven Alabama squeaks past unranked Texas A and M twenty six to twenty as the Tide keep themselves in the SEC West conversation and a possible backdoor into the playoffs. Texas A&M fans have had it up to here. They, they, are, they are so done with Jimbo, the the bimbo. I don't know if you call him that, but that's what I'm it. You know, his his um, record and stats against uh, top ten and top twenty five teams and against Alabama is either worse or or at best equal to what Kevin Sumlin did at Texas A&M. And Texas A&M paid. Uh, Kevin Sumlin, ten million to go away, and that's what they're paying Jimbo every year, and they're gonna have to pay Jimbo e- even more to go away, like to the tune of sixty or seventy million or something like that. Forget what it is; I, it's, it's a lot. Um, and they're gonna have to pay him that to just, to just go away after this season if if they so choose to. And it really feels like that's a s- significant possibility. Yeah, it makes um, you really wonder about those like high paying coaching splash hires. I mean, how you'd think it was a guaranteed win if you're going to pay a you know all-star coach that much money and truthfully if you look around college football more often than not it seems like it's a big time loss all right now for my real 10 second take it looks like bama's like still hanging on to a national title uh, contention bid that's my 10 right. second take <laughs> moving on unranked ucla gets the better of number 13 washington state as the bruins tame the cougars 25 to 17 I really thought Washington State was going to be the better team in this game. I'm shocked by UCLA winning that game. I don't know what to think of, make of UCLA. They're playing off true freshman, the five-star top recruit in the nation. Still still jury out on US, UCLA. It sucks for, for Wazoo. Uh, last one in the top 25, uh, undefeated number 17 Miami loses to lowly three-loss Georgia Tech 23-20. to Love Love this game in every way. If you haven't been following what happened in that game, um, it was one of the all-time collapses in college football history against a subpar team like Georgia Tech, a Georgia Tech team that lost 38-27 to to Bowling Green the prior week. <laughs> okay, And this Mario Crystal Ball situation is not going well in year two after he fires some of his assistants last year. Um, I mean... Crystal Ball has been known to do this with Oregon back in 2018. He had a very similar uh, problem where he had uh, the other team on the ropes, just had to kneel it to, to win the game, essentially, and he ran the ball anyway, and the running back fumbled just like he did on Saturday. It was abysmal, and even still with the fumble that they had, 
and they gave up. There was like 30 seconds left for a team to go like 70 or 80 yards. And Not they just any up. team, Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, and they let it happen. <laughs> yeah, at least in 2018 when they were they were number 20 Oregon playing number 7 Stanford back when Stanford was good, and at least that happened to a great Stanford team. This was against a bad, really bad Georgia Tech team that at best is considered rebuilding, at best. So... Crystal balls not being loved by. Let's put it this way: if there was ever a honeymoon, it is long, long, long since over at this point. All right, let's switch our attention to the Big Ten. Not a lot of exciting things going on right there, um, partly because so much of the Big Ten isn't great. Although one of the better games of the season so far, specifically the Big Ten West, isn't great. Yeah, agreed. Um, best Big Ten game of the season so far happened this weekend when previously undefeated Maryland squandered a great first half and turtled against number four Ohio State who went on to score 27 unanswered second half points winning 37 to 17. Yeah, I mean, I, this is exactly what I assumed was going to happen in this game. That's it really that's Maryland to the letter year in and year out. No matter who the coach is, they can they they turtle. That is a, the best way to put it. First half, they bring their head out of their shell and they're like, "Oh, this looks like a lot of fun." And then second <laughs> half, they're like, "Oh, I don't know about all this. They look like a better team." And that's that's what happened. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Number two, Michigan crushes Minnesota, fifty-two to ten. Tom, you thought this was a game what? when we were on upset alert. Let's be honest here. No one thought they were actually going to upset them. It's just the hope. It's just the hope yeah, that maybe, so far maybe an unsuspecting being a reality. team, maybe an unsuspecting, <laughs> like, I mean, seriously, like Purdue with Ohio State several years back. Like, yes, that's true. That's what you're w- waiting for, a team that literally is coming out of nowhere to, like, punch a team that's lo- overlooking them. Yeah, um, you'd, you'd think a team like Minnesota has that capacity. Um, this turns out to be Michigan's like to. probably their best game of the season. Right, 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 right. Uh, um, moving on through the yeah. Big Ten. Iowa notches another subpar offensive performance while still coming away with the win, beating Purdue 20-14. to 14. This backup guy for um, Iowa, who came in for Cade McNamara, who's injured and didn't play in the game, he was 6-for-21 for like 110 yards. He is the former Wisconsin third-string running or quarterback from last year, by the way. He may as so, well be their third-string running back. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I don't know. He's basically a less capable Nate Stanley. Uh, and I'm sorry, I can't remember the guy's name offhand. We just know that... Iowa's offense is still very much not cutting it, and it's they're finding new ways to look even more abysmal than the week before. Have and, we said on this podcast that uh, Cade McNamara is out for the season? Oh, is he out for the season now? Yeah. Oh, ACL. yeah. Oh, that's right. And he already declared that he's coming back to Iowa next year. Well, good for Iowa. <laughs> yeah. Um, and last but not least, the 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 drive for three twenty five yeah. took another hit. Yeah, definitely. Only scoring 20 on the week. Um, yep. Speaking of last but not least, Nebraska gets a win, knocking off scuffling Illinois 20 to 7. I have really nothing. This is, this is, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. All right. Well, that does it for our scoreboard. Um, let's just take a quick look at the polls. Um, Penn State held steady at number six. Uh, like you said, Texas dropped, but Oklahoma leapt in front of us. Um, we're fifth in the coaches, by the way. USC moved down. I think this is a third straight week. They've moved down after a win. Now they're number 10. Uh, Louisville up 11 spots to 14th. Well, 
Notre Dame moved down 11 to 21st. Um, interesting, Utah moving up after a loss. I think that was a, um, a bye week for them this week, but um, you know their last game was a loss. Uh, they're 16th. And then, um, hey, there are only four teams, bro, receiving first place votes. And like that's a good proxy perhaps for the teams that people think are worthy of being in that top four. Uh, those four are Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Florida State. Yeah. Interesting. And it's worth noting that while Oklahoma leapt over us, do you know how many votes they leapt over us by, Andy? I don't. I don't what, what what's the number? Five. Oh, so it's close. Only only five. And Interesting. to give you context to what, what the fourth place voters have, have put Florida State in that, they're at 1389 votes for, to, that puts them in fourth place. And just it, we're literally at like 100 votes each behind Florida State, Oklahoma, and Penn State are about 100, 100 votes behind. Um, also, for what it's worth, um, when it comes to the polls, Lou, uh, did you mention Louisville jumping 11 spots? I did. Were you not okay. paying attention? I, I wasn't because I was looking <laughs> looking at the bottom here where Notre Dame dropped 11, um, Washington State dropped 6, but also Miami dropped 8, and they're down rounding out the top 25 at 25th, whereas you know we Wisconsin's getting 41 votes just outside of the top 25. West Virginia is getting 26 votes just outside of the top 25. They're ranked uh, in the top 30. And Maryland and Iowa are getting votes of 9 and 7, respectively. Yeah, interesting. So yeah. teams that uh, are on our schedule are just outside of the top 25. Um, looking ahead, there are going to be some really interesting um, opportunities this coming week, especially with Oregon facing Washington. That should clarify some of those positions in the uh, top 10. So that'll about do it for the poll watch. Um, last item I want to put up for our news and notes is um, interesting that this happened on the bye week, but um, the Big Ten schedule for the next five years has been released. And um, as you might imagine, there are pr some pretty significant changes to the one that was announced right before Oregon and Washington joined the Big Ten. Um, you know, I don't know that we're going to have a lot of time to analyze this schedule. Um, you know, there's next year's. No, we can talk about that in the offseason or at the end of the season. Yeah, I think so. But, you know, next year's schedule. Um, which I think looked favorable to Penn State um, when it was first released a couple months ago. Now looks like it's a real juggernaut. Um, we're facing three top-tier teams in USC, Washington, and U and Ohio State. Okay. Well, you mentioned it, it, it's turned into a juggernaut because since then we've added Oregon and Washington. Right. I mean, those are two right like, now. They're teams in the top ten, right? They so, are, two, and they're going head to head this next coming week, and, <laughs> right? and it's like, yeah, they're 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 legit teams for sure, and they appear to be that moving forward as well. Yeah. So the the average. Uh, you know, level of difficulty across the conference has increased, and and so that's trickling down onto our schedule. Um, and you made a point to me that like, hey, these adding you know adding USC and UCLA as well, but adding Oregon and Washington also help offset the additions of well, the, adding all four helps offset the additions of all all the teams of Nebraska, Rutgers, and Maryland because adding those teams did nothing from a competitive standpoint at least so far in the Big Ten and adding these four teams definitely make up for that in my opinion. 
Yeah. So we're starting to see how that's going to impact our schedule. Um, you know, basically every year for the last uh, however many years we had the East and the West, Penn State was locked into the East division. Don't we had and legends either. <laughs> yeah, well, let's not talk about that. that <laughs> okay. okay. That was a disaster. But anyway, okay. <laughs> um, the, you know, we have Michigan and Ohio State every year. Every year, those are top 10, top tier teams, often top 10 teams. Well, Going forward over the next five years, we have a lot of years where we're playing three top-tier teams, and I'm including USC, Oregon, and Washington as top-tier teams. So we're going from two every year guaranteed to now we're having three most years guaranteed. Um, UCLA, I would kind of put them right now on par with like an Iowa or a Wisconsin, so that's another level of difficulty when we see UCLA. Um It'll be interesting. You know, we do not get uh, out to, um, you know, the, some of these West Coast teams uh, until 2027. For example, we don't play Oregon at Oregon until 2027. Um, we don't play Washington at Washington until 2026. So that's the other factor of having 18 teams in the conference as opposed to 16 is it's just going to take um, th really three years to get a full home and away among all the teams. And for what it's worth, Andy, you know, uh, you know, we as Penn State fans, we look at the schedule, especially compared to the one we saw a couple months ago, and we're like, dang it, like, like we were gonna have USC at home, and 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 it was gonna like, like you know, be drawn up great for Drew Aller's uh, second season at quarterback, for Nick and Catron's third season at running back, and and now it kind of shifts our like how we view that season now next year a little bit, and obviously a lot's gonna depend on how well we close out this season, but teams like Michigan have a very, very tough slate next year. And some of that's due to the Big Ten scheduling, but they have, they got Fresno State, they got Texas, they got, you know, Oregon, USC, Ohio State, and Washington all on their schedule next year. Yikes. That's, I mean, when I say Fresno State, what I mean is it's a non-con of a team that was ranked last week. I mean, that's, that's five teams that this past week were ranked in the top ten. Precisely. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, yeah. Yo, you're right. That's correct. Uh, is it? Oh, maybe four. Well, certainly four, yeah. No, five. Texas, yeah, Texas yeah. Oregon, USC, Ohio State, Washington, five. <laughs> <laughs> and then you toss in a non-con against a team that was ranked in the top 25 last week, and that's Fresno State. So, yeah, But hey, not, uh, they don't play Penn State, so... Uh, no, in fact, we don't play Penn State. They don't play Penn State until 2026. So yeah, that's we, a home game for them, yep, by the way. Yep. Um, but yeah. So it, it's an interesting, uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, one of the things that the conference bigwigs are saying on the release of the schedule is they're really going to be pounding uh, strength of schedule when it comes to, uh, you know, the 12 the playoff, the 12 team, 12 playoff. team playoff, right? Yeah. I mean, so on the one hand, 12 teams getting in that, that gives a lot of opportunities for teams like Penn state. On the other hand, you could easily see Penn state getting three losses in years where they otherwise would have only had two. Dude. Dude, Michigan with all those games in their schedule next year. What if we spoil their undefeated season this year? And what if they don't make the playoff next year because of all those tough teams? And they're losing JJ McCarthy, Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards. They're losing a lot of people after this I wish year. We were playing them. Instead I mean, they of might Ohio even lose State Jim Harbaugh year. after this season. Jim Harbaugh might leave when his his darling quarterback leaves too. It would be nice if Michigan falls off a cliff after after it's the end of this impossible, year. It's not impossible. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Can you imagine a five loss Michigan last? I uh, can't. 
man, Andy, we've seen it. We witnessed <laughs> it, it recently. I'll take it. Yep. All right. Well, uh, that's enough for that schedule. Um, you know, there's a lot of places online where you can go and take a look and and look at it for yourself. But uh, yeah, it looks like it'll be a, a new era in Penn State football and Big Ten football. It'll be interesting to see how it turns out. Yeah. All right. Let's turn our attention to. Um, just some issues that we can talk about during the bye week. Um, it's really a great opportunity to look back at the season so far and um, take a look ahead at what we have coming and, and figure out where we are as a team. Um, I want to start off, bro, by just mentioning something that Franklin said in his post-game press conference after the Northwestern game. And he revealed um, to the um, press corps that over the offseason, they actually studied, quote, in great detail um, how to approach the bye week. That is, they... Did he specify how? Well, they, they took a look at how a lot of other teams approach a bye week. And that, to me, that says because they realize they haven't been very good at it. We suck at this. And they're trying <laughs> to figure out how to do better coming off of the bye week. Well, and what's weird is this bye week is different from all of Franklin's other bye weeks because we go right into a non-con against a dismal independent program, UMass. Yeah, but then we, we've we got Ohio State right on the yeah, heels yeah, yeah. of that, right? So, yeah, I mean... We're looking at Ohio State in the bye week, obviously. Yeah, well, anyway, it's you're right. It's, it's a little bit different than it's been in the past, but still... They clearly have recognized their records coming out of the bye week, not that great. Um, he said specifically they're looking to try to find a balance between getting guys fresh and making improvements and getting better as a team. He emphasized to the press corps that they see it as a bye week, not an off week, and they've got to use that week to get better. Yeah, it's still a work week for them. Absolutely. Much. And he did, they did, I think like this last week, they did like a Thursday to Friday coaches went and, or excuse me, Thursday to Saturday coaches went and like recruited. So, so that they did. There, were, even, there were some time off for the team, at least from on-field practice. But yeah. what they said that they were their plan was, and of course the bye week is now over, but their plan for the bye week was, first of all, to take an opportunity to self-scout, which is something that you and I have said they need to do a lot of self and specifically, Franklin needs to self-scout himself. <laughs> right, true. Um, <laughs> they wanted to review the season up to this point in all three phases. They also wanted to take the time to get ahead and prepare for upcoming opponents. And Franklin kind of did a little wink and a nod and say, I know you guys have some thoughts about which of those opponents we're, we should be looking at. And believe me, we're going to be looking at them. He basically said, we're going to get ahead on Ohio State and Michigan. Well, um, and what's ironic is you, get, you say he gave a wink and a nod. Apparently, Manny Diaz gave a little bit more than a wink and a nod, <laughs> yeah. at least from Ohio State fandom eyes. Yeah, he said, like, I have some very strong opinions about Ohio State. And I will keep them to myself. <laughs> but I'm going to keep them to myself. I'm not yeah. telling you guys. Yeah, yeah. But apparently, Manny has already Ohio State fans. Ohio State fans took that as bulletin board material. I don't know if the, I don't think the team did. <laughs> Ohio State's team. I don't think they did. But like yeah. the fans are trying to drum up some, ch you know, like chum in the water type. Yeah, who knows what material. exactly. Exactly, he meant it's by not like what Dan opinions. Lanning was saying in right. front of before their Oregon before the uh, Oregon game with Colorado when he was literally slighting or or Colorado directly with some of his words. I just took it to mean that he's had a chance to take a look at what Ohio State is doing and he has some strong opinions about how to play them, not some strong opinions about how good or bad they are. But right. anyway, assumptions. We all know what we, what everyone says about assuming. So you know, <laughs> here's hoping that Franklin 
uh, and the the uh, coordinators did a really good job uh, executing those things during the bye week. Um, they said UMass week, they expected it to be a normal week, just focusing on UMass. Um, so um, although they've had their bye week, we really haven't had a chance to talk about these kinds of things. And so let's jump in and just talk about kind of the results of the season so far. And we already know we're 5-0, and you know, we're one of you know, still, uh, uh, you know, a dozen or so unbeaten teams in the country, but in the top six, you know, teams are, are, are being finally sorted between sort of top tier and second tier and third tier teams. And we're right there, I would say on the cusp based on our resume between sort of the, the top tier and the second tier team, we haven't gotten any first place votes yet, but people are paying attention to Penn state. And I think there's some good reason for that beyond just, uh, the record. Um, and a lot of that goes to how we're actually playing against the teams that we've played. Um, let's talk about some of the offensive uh, performance so far. And, um, you know, I would say our offensive performance is mostly above average, not spectacular. Would you agree with that, bro? Yeah. I, I'd say the eye test is a, a not spectacular for sure. We some of the categories that we look great in are a little misleading because of how well our, our defense has done for us. Yeah, so I think, you know, kind of our best performance in terms of all of the offensive categories has been points per game. We've scored 40.6 points per game. That's first in the Big Ten, by the way, which I think is pretty significant. Um, we're... 11th nationally, so almost in the top 10 in terms of points per game. Uh, that's pretty good. And what I think is fascinating about our points per game, bro, is that um, we just uh, doesn't look like we're scoring tons of points. But, you know, when you add it all up, by the end of the game, we've got a ton of points and we're, we're consistently scoring in the 30s and 40s and and sometimes I a little think, more than that. I think where it uh, like the disconnect is, is like, we've been scoring some mop-up points where typically like second and third stringers in previous years aren't necessarily getting those points and getting in the end zone, getting field goals. Yeah, and we've been getting fair. in the end zone with some of our backups and, and mop-up duty, which that's is, fair. which is by the way, still a great thing. You do still want that, but it skews the perception at a glance of what, what the, you know, the score looks like. Sure. At least in the conference though, that's still better than Michigan and Ohio state. Um, so, you know, I think compared to the other teams that we're going to play, the top teams that we're going to play, our offense is still at least um, on, on, on the average um, yeah. doing better than those. You know, in terms of total yards, um, 340.4 yards per game. That's second in the Big Ten behind only Ohio State, only 44th nationally. So um, we're not making waves nationally, but in the Big Ten, we're right near the top. Um, we're better in rushing yards and passing yards, um, third in the big 10 and rushing six in the big 10 in passing. But again, add them together. We're a balanced offense. That's the second best in score and getting yardage in the big 10. Um, you know, third down conversion, we are not great. 35th nationally, only 44.9%. But when you add it with a fourth down conversion rate, we are third nationally at fourth down conversion, 90.9%. That's first in the power five. Yeah. And, and for what it's worth that like we do go for it a lot on fourth down. It's not like we've only had like two or whatever. Obviously 90% is something that you don't, you don't get 90% unless you've done it a bunch of times. Right. It doesn't mathematically work out if you're like, Oh, we're two, you know, we're two for three. You know? Yeah. Right. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so we, we definitely go for it quite a bit, Andy. And, and so, and on, on that fourth down conversion percentage, 
we that's that's with 11 attempts andy so we're 10 of 11 yeah so you know and add that to a couple other metrics that i think really show you know a, a strength of this team is the offensive line we are sixth nationally in sacks allowed with only three sacks given up on the year and we're 11th nationally and tackles for loss uh, on the year with only allowing uh, just under four per game. So that that says that although, you know, we're not getting a, a ton of yards in terms of uh, yards per game, um, you know, nationally, but when it comes to the, you really got to have it yards. Um, and when it comes to like negative plays, our offense is not giving up a, a bunch of negative plays and we're getting a lot of the got to have it kind of yards. So this is um, maybe not a, a flashy offense, but it's a very, a uh, consistent offense and an offense that when it comes down to it can score points when it needs to. Oh, by the way, we're an offense that holds the ball a whole lot of the time. And at least as of last week, we were first in the nation in time of possession. Um, I don't think we had a chance to update that stat this week. I'm not sure if that shifted maybe slightly um, at, with all the other teams playing in a sixth I game. Can give you the, the, I can give you that updated. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. We still our number one wow. with time of possession. Uh, with 180 minutes out of our possible whatever it is, you know. Uh, so we're averaging 36 minutes per game. Uh, that's ball, ridiculous, ball, by ball the way. Control. That's, ball you control. Know, that's amazing. And um, so, again, it just goes to that idea. that, And we, that's what we've seen on the field, right, is that um, there are not a lot of explosive plays. That's, you know, we'll probably talk about that in a little bit, the lack of explosive plays. But if you set that aside, we're a very consistent offense. We hold on to the ball. We get the ball in uh, short yardage situations. We avoid, um, you know, negative plays, except for when it comes to penalties. That's been a little bit of a problem. Um, and it's a, been a very serviceable offense. Um, having well, and to give you, it's a, a team like Georgia, who's just trounced 55 to whatever it was or whatever the score was against Kentucky, they're, they're ranked 11th in the country with 32 minutes on average, holding on to the ball per game. So one of the, the best team in the country, we do a better job of holding on to the ball than them, and they're not an explosive team either, for what it's worth. So um, let's um, kind of do a same kind of deep dive on the defense, all right? Um, you know, where they are nationally. We've already talked about this, about the defense being near the top of the, the nation in a lot of categories, and that hasn't changed over the last week at all. In yards allowed, 210.6 yards per game, we're first in the Big Ten. Uh, Michigan is second. Ohio State is third. Guess what? We're also first in the nation, all right? Um, passing yards allowed, 130 136.4 first in the Big Ten. Michigan and yeah. Ohio State are second and third. That's also first nationally. Michigan is second nationally. Ohio State sixth. Defensively, again, rushing yards allowed, 74.2 first in the Big Ten. Michigan is third. Ohio State fourth. That's good for seventh nationally. Point hey, I don't allowed this is per game. staggering. It's amazing. 9.6 <laughs> points per game. That's second in the Big Ten behind Michigan and second nationally. Um, so I, it's just, it, th these are some massive, massive, massive stats. And it shows just, you know, where the offense has been above average and most of the way serviceable, holding onto the ball, consistent. Our defense has been absolutely lights out obliterating people. 
it, it's indicative of I think um, where some of the powerhouses that are like you know you, every year for like the last X amount of years you've been like okay it's going to be Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Oklahoma, Ohio State, uh, and you know recently Michigan. These are powerhouses that you can expect to be at the top in some of these categories. But a lot of those teams have taken a hit lately. Clemson, um, you know Alabama. So and even Georgia this year is not the same dominant team that they were. So so there's kind of like a, a, a power vacuum, and we've kind of inserted ourselves in there. And while we still have a lot to, to like make up for in some other areas, this is where we are establishing ourselves as a great team. And if you recall, Andy, at the beginning of the season, I said I think Penn State's strength is going to be their defense. I think this is going to be an elite defense. And so far, granted, given the competition, we have proved that. So I. I, that's a that that just you know goes to show that a you know we we can be, we can be great and b um, our defense is giving us giving our offense a, a lot of opportunity to try and get better as as we control the game defensively. Yeah, um, lots and lots of reasons for optimism, especially on the defensive side, and um, it feels like you know if there's a way for the defense to continue playing at this level, even if they're not going to maybe have quite the same kind of success against the back half of our uh, schedule. If they can continue to play at this level, I mean, sky's the limit in terms of what this team might be able to accomplish. Um, the caveat is, you know, we've only played games in September. <laughs> you know, we have not yet played an October game. Uh, we haven't played a November game. We all know, you know, the, the way the landscape looks by the end of October and by the end of November can change dramatically across the college football landscape. So yes, we've got a great platform, but we've got to really jump off of this platform to take it even to greater heights. Absolutely agree with all that you just said, but also as we all know, some of the best national championships in history are led by a great defense. And that's the last two years, Georgia, their defense was lights out one of the best ever to do it. And we have supplanted Georgia at the top as far as defensive statistics through the first half of the season. So, I yeah. mean, you, you can't hate that. There's, yeah, no no. To, there's no way to hate that. <laughs> no, <laughs> you, know? you can't. Um, you know, uh, as we kind of uh, talk about sort of what we've accomplished less from a statistical standpoint and more from a schedule standpoint, it's interesting to note that um, we've already completed our Big Ten West slate. We, we had three games on the schedule with the Big Ten West. They're all behind us. We beat all of them, um, including a 31 to nothing drubbing of Iowa, who's still in the running to be uh, the top dog in the West. You know, we had some scuffling games a little bit against Northwestern and Illinois, um, 41 to 13 against Northwestern that didn't look nearly that good when it was being played. And then Illinois, uh, a team that has looked worse and worse with each passing week, we uh, had a 30 to 13 win against them. Uh, those were away games, noon games. Um, we've already talked about those in, in, in detail, but you know, be that as it may, the Big Ten West is behind. We defeated all those teams. We also had um, you know, one really good non-conference game uh, against a West Virginia team that turns out to be a lot better than we thought at the time, and that was a pretty solid 38-15 to victory. Um, West Virginia's got on to beat Pitt. They've gone on to beat Texas Tech. They've gone on to beat Texas Christian. So TCU sucks this year. 
I mean, yeah. They but do. I know, I know, but they <laughs> did win the national championship last year. They're not a No, they team. didn't win it. They were well, in it. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> they were in you're it. Right. Very you're good confused. point. <laughs> they got destroyed in it, actually. Yeah. They did beat Michigan, though. But anyway. <laughs> right. Um, you know, West Virginia's gone on to, to beat some real actual football teams. Right. Uh, right. And that, like, so th- like you say, by the way, Pitt, by the way, one and four Pitt. Uh, <laughs> and our opponent this week is equal to that uh, <laughs> record. UMass is one and four. So I which think they might be better. Both, which team is better? They might both be one and five, actually. Uh, to, oh, one, oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. One and five. One but and five. yeah, uh, both one win teams um, in the FBS. Yikes. Um, but, um, you know... Penn State has at times looked exceptionally good. Um, they have at times looked a little vulnerable. And, um, you know, I think nonetheless, uh, we're turning our attention basically after, um, you know, one last non conference game in UMass, as you said, uh, to the Big Ten East. And uh, we haven't played a single Big Ten East team yet this year, and and that's going to be the whole back half of the schedule. A lot of opportunities, I think. Um, you know, bro, I was thinking, uh, I don't think any other team in the country has an opportunity to play uh, the number two and number three team in the country. Nobody, you know, nobody else has a chance to play a top three, two of the three top three teams in the second half of their schedule. So yeah, that's that's a monumental opportunity. Task. Well, a monumental yes. task and yeah. a mon an unbelievable opportunity. And I just I just think you got to like where everything stands going into that. You know, I you 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 would still prefer that Penn State shores up some of these issues that we have on offense. I mean, both both passing and rushing, we have a lot of room for improvement right now. I like really really we do, but it's not like the end of the we're still dude, we're still like what? I think um offensively rushing in the Big 10, we're still ahead of Michigan. In rushing the ball right now, yeah. In Big Ten statistics, we're we're getting nearly 200 yards per game, and uh, Michigan's getting 185. I mean, Ohio State's getting 131. They're like ninth in the eighth or ninth in the conference in rushing. You know, everybody's got their problems right now, one way or another. Even the you know the top teams like Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State. Um, so it's anyone's game. Yeah, is, I think so. I'm looking at it. I think so. I mean, you know, again, when you look at you know, say teams like Ohio State in the past or teams like USC or Oregon or Washington in the present. And you see, you know, these gunslinging offenses or, you know, teams breaking off really nice long runs. We haven't seen that at Penn State. And I think we expected to see it. Uh, We saw it in the run game last year. And so the fact that we're not seeing it this year is, is is a bit of a challenge. Our, you know, average yards per play, average yards per rush, average yards per passing attempt, they're low. low. But, you know, some of that's contributing to this huge time of possession that we have. And like I said, we're, we're consistent, you know, we're making a lot of those fourth down conversions. We're, we're pretty decent in the red zone, you know? And I think where we match up well, Andy, I think where we match up well is like our our defense is great against the rush, great against the pass, but like, you know, Michigan, they're not, blowing people out by just running it down the throats. Blake Corm's having an okay year. Donovan Edwards is not having a great year. So they're not like, they don't look like the most formidable rushing machine that we've seen them in the last couple of years. But Ohio State's actually leading the Big Ten and passing with over 300 yards per game, even though, you know, McCord, we were kind of like, oh, we're not sure about this dude. And I still am skeptical, but they've been putting up big, big yards and points uh, recently. But Penn State, we still have the number one passing 
defense in not just the Big Ten, but the country. So who else is better suited to play against Ohio State on the road than a defense that travels? You know, so yeah. that's yeah. where my brain goes with like where Penn State lands amongst the the larger landscape of the Big Ten and the country. Um, you know, obviously business in front of us is first, and Big Ten first, and Ohio State first, all that kind of stuff. It's just I I feel like we're in a better spot than Penn, possibly we've ever been for this. You know, um, shifting of the the Big Ten tectonic plates. Yeah, we're, we're, I'm not sure. You know, Penn State would be favored. Uh, in no. either of those matchups, no, we are favored against Michigan for the record currently. That's Acor- kind of strange. To if you FPI, ask me, according to FPI, well, not not Vegas. According to FPI, we are favored against Michigan. And I think some of that is that you know you haven't seen these teams. I mean, even you go back a couple of weeks ago to that Ohio State victory over Notre Dame. You know, but then Notre Dame has some struggles against Duke, and then you know really the wheels fall off against Louisville. How good are they really? No, Notre Dame, that is, and therefore, how good is Ohio State, who barely beat Notre Dame? Um, you know, Michigan's played nobody. Um, you know, who we played? I mean, honestly, West Virginia looks as good as anyone um, right now, and and you know, Iowa, of course, has terrible offense, but they've got an incredible defense. And we put thirty up, thirty one points against them. It's really hard to know when you take a team like Penn State and stick them in you know the horseshoe. How is that going to go? I, you know, I know how I hope it could go. I know defense how I travels. Defense I know how travels. I think it might defense go. Travels. <laughs> right? You know, but we haven't played a passing quarterback who can actually, you know, complete decent passes. We haven't played against a Marvin Harrison Jr. or or a, uh, a Mika Abuka, you know, types of uh, receiving tandem. So uh, it's not to say I don't think we can handle it, but we just haven't. We haven't proven it on the field and neither and neither has michigan and neither have they exactly ohio state probably you can say has going up against a, a better notre dame team than any of the opponents that we've faced obviously and maryland was no slouch either the fact Actually, that i don't know maybe west virginia could beat notre dame given how they've been don't. looking i don't know <laughs> don't. i don't know hope eileen doesn't hear that but anyway yeah. <laughs> but, but 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 from a from a, like a looking at like you know Mich- penn state possibly being favored against uh, michigan according to fpi we have a 50 6.1% chance of beating them right now. Drew Aller has only... So we don't like FPI unless they favor us. Is that it? That's correct. <laughs> um, but but from a statistical standpoint, like J.J. McCarthy only has like uh, 200 y- yards r- passing more than Drew Aller and only two touchdowns more than Drew Aller. And he has three interceptions to Drew Aller's and zero. Um, and, and, and whereas Drew has been like dispersing the ball to a ton of different receivers. JJ has like one favorite. He has eight touchdowns thrown towards um, Roman Wilson. So, he, so like if we can take away, you know, Kalen King takes away their number one threat and our rush defense can help contain them up front. I think we can neutralize a team like Michigan being the home team in a probably what's going to be like a de facto whiteout game with the, um, is it going to be the stripe out game? I believe it's going to yeah, be because we already had so. the helmet stripe in West Virginia. I believe it's the stripe out game and I'm, I bet it's going to be a noon kickoff. Uh, so it will actually be a night. It already game. is. 
Right, oh, right. Yeah, exactly. It's a noon kickoff. and But that crowd is going to be insane at noon. I guarantee yeah. you. Yeah. They will, especially if we beat Ohio State. Oh, my gosh, dude. That Michigan game is going to be the biggest game in Beaver Stadium history. I mean, that might be a, a two and three right there. It's a If we beat Ohio State and Michigan doesn't falter, and neither do we, by the way, Maryland. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, that very well could be the biggest game in Penn State Beaver Stadium history. And maybe the biggest game in Big Penn State's Big Ten history. So let's go back and talk a little bit about those issues that you were talking about that we hope that Penn State is taking care of right now. I mean, the explosive plays is going to be the catchphrase that you know everyone's going to be looking for. Can we get those? Because that's been the big missing piece: the long runs, the breaking breaking free into a long run, and you know the more passes of, of long yards. I mean, to me, the the only one that really stands out to me um, was in that West Virginia game, the long. Uh, touchdown pass to um, his second DeAndre pass Lambert. of the season. Yeah, right. By the way, um, so it's been a long time <laughs> since we've seen like that nice long touchdown pass. Um, you, you know, what do you think are some of the things that we're going to need to do to get there? And are there any other issues besides those explosive plays that you think we need to be working on during this uh, off week? And have you ever seen the movie Over the Top? I'm not sure I have. Sylvester Stallone arm wrestling movie. He, <laughs> arm wrestling he is movie? A, How have he I is, not seen it? He is a career truck driver. Um, <laughs> and he, he he goes into these... He makes money on the side of these at like tr- truck stuff. Like he goes between trucking jobs and goes and like does these arm wrestling competitions. All right? And and when he does get Sounds behind, like a box office hit. But it was an amazing movie. <laughs> 80s. Peak Stallone. Um, um, what's this? When, what's this movie called again? Over the top, and over, the over the top me, is meaning, and you can't see my hand right now, but but is when he steps up to the arm wrestling table, he like puts his hand, like you know, he gets his hand up, up with the other guy, and when when it looks like he's just about to lose to this other guy who's bigger than him and looks to be stronger than him, he puts his hand up over this guy's hand to the top and then slams it down. But before he steps up to the table, he turns his hat around and it signifies that he's going into the zone, a different level, yeah. like mentally, that he just becomes a different creature, a different monster. And and to be honest with you, Andy, the reason he, he does that is because, you know, like he's the nicest guy outside of all this and, and he's just trying to like make some money for his son and rekindle his, you know, it's it has all these backstories, but all that matters is when the competition is equal to him, he like locks in with when he turns his hat around, and that's what Penn State needs to start doing immediately, right now, because everything from this point forward after the bye week is in preparation to and for the biggest games of the season. And Drew Aller, Nick Singleton, this offensive line, and definitely our defense has already been doing this. They have to like lock in in a way that they have not locked in moving forward. And I think because of the uh, you know the the impending competition, I think we're going to start to see this Penn State team performing with a different level of focus. And I think that's what you kind of were highlighting with Penn State wants to self-scout their bye weeks and what they do. And I think Franklin's going to find a way to make this team lock in at that next level to to not play down to you know a lesser competition and not play lesser than their equal competition, I think that that's what we're going to start to see. I, I guarantee that Ohio State game 
is going to be a, a a very competitive game, win or lose. And I really honestly believe that that Michigan game, we might see Penn State's best team show up to play in that game. And I really, I just, I have this feeling that that's what that's what's going to be like. It's going to be just turning that hat around and locking in on the, this upper echelon competition. Well, it'll take that for sure, you know, because you know these teams are legit teams, and they're ranked number two and three in the country right now for a reason. And if we aren't locked in like that, we can guarantee that it doesn't matter how good our season has been up to this point. We can guarantee it's going to be a disappointing result. And by the way, we can't just be locked in for one quarter or two quarters or even three quarters. Absolutely. Like we saw last year, Ohio State game. We played great through 50 minutes. I mean, even the Iowa game, we we like didn't like really lock in in that first quarter. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, you know, it was the it was the failure to lock in in the last nine minutes against Ohio State last year that lost us the game. Absolutely, you know, and, that, and so uh, you like to think they're self scouting that last night. I would nine think minutes. so, and it's got to be a sixty minute um, effort. Um, you know, you do hope that with that kind of focus, you at least get an even chance in the game, and then it's up to whether or not you execute in the two or three critical plays, and and it's anyone's game. You know, you'd love to see, like, Ohio State or Michigan kind of stumble and, and you know, come away with a really improbably strong victory. Um, I think you're, you're 100% right on that, and that's going to dictate the whole second half of the season, whether we can get ourselves locked in like that. My question for you about some of these things that we haven't seen, especially in offense, in terms of the, the big breakaway plays, do you think that is a lack of focus up to this point, as we've seen in like Drew and like the Northwestern well, game, I- Drew and and you know Dante Cephas were on not on the same page, or do you think it's a scheme thing, and that we're going to see some new things coming up in the second half that will allow those plays to happen in ways that they haven't been allowed up to I this think point? In, I think in regard to Singleton, I think it's a uh, an overfocus. That's going on. He's like playing a little too tight. He's playing a little too tight. He's not playing as loose as he was as a freshman when he was just like going and seeing the field a a lot better and getting the edge on guys. Right now, I think he's like trying to be the like too good of a of a running back. Like trying to hit everything. Just trying to hit the the right hole every time that was like the predetermined right hole instead of like trusting what his instincts are telling him from getting outside or bouncing it to it like cutting it back or whatever it is he has not had that vision or he hasn't had, let his vision take control he's been just been trying to like work off of what he's been rep, rep, doing repetitiously in practice so I do see Nick Singleton getting out of this what is absolutely so far a sophomore slump from a you know yardage standpoint and from an average standpoint. Um, but when it comes to Cephas, I think Cephas not getting on campus until summer really has played a role in his inability to make the leap from group of five to power five. Um, you know, we, we look at other guys like this. Um, Ma- Ma- Maryland got a receiver from West Virginia. West Virginia got a receiver from NC State. Guys at Penn State were both in the running for. Both those wide receivers have looked great because they've gone from power five to power five. Sivas making the jump from group of five to power five, I think, has been neglected to be um, highlighted as being a, a significant hurdle for him. And I think to get on the same page with Drew Aller in this offense and making that leap from group of five to power five, I think we'll start to see the dividends of Cephas getting worked in moving forward a little bit more. Um, I think I think you can see that it's almost there for him in a lot of ways. Um, 
I, I just think th- there's absolutely room for improvement for him, and I think we actually definitely will see that. And in the passing game, we can't forget that um, the loss of Trey Wallace uh, was pretty significant. Absolutely plays in a role in his and in, in Cephas's development because Cephas is asked to do more than two. Um, with yeah, Trey and Wallace Drew being only out. has you know really one reliable receiver who really understands the system. You know, whereas Trey Wallace as a, as that second guy, yeah, you know, really makes a difference. Um, and and in the games that Trey Wallace was. Uh, you know, healthy. We're he, basically we're basically looking for another receiver other than Keandre Lambert to have a a big game. And and Wallace had a a good game in the opening week. I believe he had like the first two weeks. He put, he had a lot of receptions. Played yeah, 10, really well. Yeah, right. Um, so we're just I think looking he for led that the next, team in receptions at least one of the games that he played. I think you're um, right. So you know, if if guys aren't where they're supposed to be for Drew, that really. You know, hampers things significantly and also helps the defense key on Kandra Lambert Smith. So, you know, hopefully that's something that they're working on during the bye week, getting extra reps. Um, you know, well, that's both. why we've been seeing so many tight end, um, you know, <laughs> passes also. Yeah. Like, so it, it sounds it was exactly to me, what we thought it was going to be is like if we didn't see anyone besides Kandra Lambert Smith step up, the, even the coaches were talking about like, all right, well, then we'll use the tight ends instead of like three and four receiver sets. So it sounds to me like um, you're seeing it less as a scheme thing and more of like a chemistry thing um, between Drew yeah. and the wide receivers. And he's um, a that makes a lot of sense. Quarterback too. He's still he's still a fresh. He's still green. You know, it's true. I mean, Drew Aller has only started five games for Penn State. You know, he's we can't never forget. he's never started a game in the Big Ten prior to um, you know this season. He's never had a road start in the Big Ten prior to the season. You know, and so, so and we're seeing that a guy like this is still producing results that get wins emphatically like we're winning by 30 points per game with this guy and he hasn't thrown an interception he's only taken what three sacks on the season which is good for second in the country i think or at least second in the big 10 um i forget exactly what that statistic was but um he's not making mistakes and he's not making penn state as a team pay for when he is making mistakes so it's he hasn't fumbled it either you know so He's he's turnover free. He's doing everything you could possibly expect a true sophomore to be doing um, from not hurting his team. He's not hurting his team. Yeah, I mean, I think if you simply take the performance that we've seen in these first five games and extrapolate them to the last seven games, I, I think you have a winning recipe if the defense continues to play like it's been playing. And so my my last question for you before we just kind of close out this bye week is what will it take for the defense to continue to play at this high level, particularly against Ohio State and Michigan? Can we – I'm not really worried about our defense showing up against Maryland, but against Ohio State and against Michigan, do you think we have the, the players, the scheme, and the focus required to actually – Keep those offenses in check enough for our own offense to do what it needs to do. The answer to that last part is yes. The answer to the first part um, is like what? What do they have to do? They have to. They have to get to the quarterback more. They have to actually sack the quarterback more. That is truly going to be what takes this defense to the next level. Is rattling quarterbacks as often as possible. You know, Ohio State has two new. Offensive tackles right, in right. addition to their new quarterback. 100%. That's an opportunity right there. Absolutely, and 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 we have great defensive ends. You got it. You got to get home. You got to get home at the very if, if they're. 
That's that's the key. You know, like we have coverage on the back end as best as anyone the best of anyone in the country right now. You know, Johnny Dixon's still underrated, and he's great. Kalen King, still looking like a first-rounder. Uh, our safeties are rotating at a high clip, um, both in coverage and, and in run support, and they look solid, very solid. Uh, our linebackers probably need to do a better job. Abdul Carter probably needs to do a better job. If anything, I would say that um, Manny, needs to fi- Manny needs to dial up ways to get Abdul Carter more involved from a splash. Well, uh, like you said, he has strong opinions about Ohio State. I'm curious to see how that shapes up. Um, you know, it does seem like outside of that Iowa game, we are allowing subpar offenses one or two drives during the meat of the game. I'm not talking garbage time. One or two drives where we let them drive the field, where we miss some tackles, we leave some gaps open that get some big plays off of us. Um, and that's enough for, you know, seven to 14 points maybe. Um, what does that lapse look like against Ohio State or Michigan? And can we can we cut down on that? tendency or can we avoid doing it more than a handful of drives against those really top high powered offenses? Um, Michigan is the the type of team that can just like snowball against you from, from a, you know, grinding it out. That's that, what happened that, last year. Yeah. And, and it snowballed on us. We were in, in the game in the first half, even to, to start the third quarter in the game from a scoring standpoint, but not from an ice, I, I uh, test standpoint, but like we have to find ways to to you know stop that bleeding so it doesn't become an open gaping wound right yeah. so so it's just about stopping big plays and it's about keeping up and i think we have a, a quarterback who has shown the ability to get first downs um and we we have a running game that has shown the ability to get you know small chunks of yardage to keep the sticks moving to stay ahead of schedule so to speak and and I think if we just like shore up some of that, like um, these wide receivers not connecting properly, running wrong routes, dropping balls, that that'll that we need you need to play your best against the best teams. You you need to try to and and sometimes we have a couple of lapses here and there where we've let subpar teams do that, and that does become a concern against the Michigans and the Ohio States of the world. Um, and that's a valid concern. I, I you know that's just. PSU PTSD at its best is we've we've kind of done our own turtling uh, in ways against the Michigans and Ohio State's uh, at least of of late. So that's what this. I mean, we we know we knew this going into the season that it was going to come down to the Ohio State game and the Michigan game, and so far that looks to be on par um, for for the season. It really it, it really does. Bro, do you have any final thoughts as we kind of leave behind the bot leave behind? The bye week breakdown. It is, it is I, autumn. I tongue twisted myself. It's behind, like, <laughs> um, like, like Biff Tannen. Yeah, oh, jeez. Um, Make as, like a tree and get the heck out of here. All right, it's leaf. You moron, leaf. <laughs> uh, as we uh, turn away from the bye week breakdown, um, any final thoughts as we head into the second half of the schedule, man? Listen, this. I'm not going to get too deep here, um, but this is what I think. I think. You know, the times are a-changing across college football in a lot of ways. And I think Penn State 
has this opportunity to insert themselves into the greater upper echelon. And it really, really begins with how they went about this bye week and how they go about with business at UMass and how they go about with business against Ohio State. If we see a lackluster performance against UMass, I'm concerned. I am concerned. I, I, if I don't see sharp play out of the gate against UMass for our homecoming game, I'm concerned. I don't think we'll see that. I think, and we'll get into UMass, we'll get into UMass in the next episode, but I think some of these things that we've been concerned about, I think we'll start turning the corner here uh, and, and really drive it in um, you know, to, to better and brighter things going into the Ohio State game. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, a tiny, tiny, like a 5% of my excitement is concern, but it's mostly excitement for, for what's to come for Penn State. James Franklin and, and Drew Aller and the rest of this team, Manny Diaz. It's, it's exciting times. It's, it really is. For me... Um a phrase that you've used in prior weeks uh, has come to, come to mind, which is uh, opportunity is knocking. Opportunity is knocking. I mean, things have set up for us about as well as they can. Um, our defense has played so many fewer snaps than we have at this point in any other season. You know, guys are fresh. Our, our lights out defense is as healthy as they can be. You know, um, our offense has been consistent. We're five and zero, oh, and we have on our schedule uh, two teams in the top three. And if we simply take care of business, um, it, it, as you've said in the past, it very well could be we're the number one ranked team by the end of this season. I I I just was wondering now, as you were saying that, like like is is part of our offense's inability to have like consistency and big play? It's because they haven't been successful against our defense in practice. <laughs> And they just don't have they, don't, they just don't have the experience of like hitting them big because because they just haven't been able to do it against a great defense in practice. I wonder. Yeah, I wonder you wonder how that's going to set them up to actually succeed against the really good defenses which we will be facing soon. Um, but the opportunity is out there. I mean, things have have laid out for us as perfectly as they could at this point in the season. Obviously, we have things to work on. Hopefully, that lights a fire um, under the uh, offense that they can keep going. Hopefully, the defense realizes that uh, they have everything to play for. And um, yeah, we'll see. We're going to be um, entering into it um, just this week. We'll get a, our first glimpse coming out of the bye week, and then we're right into the thick of it. Um, starting Saturday, October 21st, we have six straight games against the Big Ten East. The 21st, we're at the horseshoe against number three, Ohio State. Then we're back home versus Indiana. Then another away game at Maryland down in College Park. Maryland, of course, had a really good first half against Ohio State this past week. So on the heels of uh, Maryland, we're back home against number two, Michigan. That is a big noon kick on Fox for the stripe out game. We're home against Rutgers for the senior game the following week, and then we wrap up at Michigan State. Uh, that's going to be a Friday night game on NBC. We're actually going to be in Ford Field in the Dome up in Detroit. Um, I might go to that game. Uh, interesting. <laughs> and speaking of might go to that game, that's one thing that I'm super excited about for the future schedules is going to the West Coast. Some of those going to Washington, Oregon, not so much the, the Coliseum, but like that's exciting stuff. And to see them come to Beaver Stadium, that's just that's just exciting to to, to see Oregon and you know Penn State on Beaver Stadium field. That's Absolutely. awesome. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, we've got two really, really tough opponents and then a third in Maryland who's a tr- who's tricky. we got three other opponents who are, uh, you know, middling to poor teams right now. And the, the schedule sets up great for us. Everything's ahead of us. What will happen? Well, we'll see in the next seven weeks, bro. We'll, we'll have a much better picture of it. At least we have Penn State football this week. I'm stoked. I'm stoked. I'm looking Let's forward get the to UMass it. next episode. That's right. That'll do it for us right now. UMass next episode, along with Mailbag and uh, By the Numbers. Um, hope you join us for that one. Before you go, please remember to subscribe, share this podcast with your friends, give us a review or a rating. We'd love to uh, get your feedback, and uh, feel free to send us an email for the mailbag, blueandwhitebrothers at gmail.com. Join us for that next episode. And until then, bro, it always starts with I love you. And it ends with I love you. We are Penn State. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 